Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so, and of course, this is audio, so nobody can see anything, but you and I are getting ready. I was having a little problem with our uh, boom uh, mic boom mic stand. It wasn't as sitting to the table, you were getting a little impatient with me. <laughs> and then you end up fixing it, which was great. Uh, uh, and as we're, uh, as we're just starting, uh, our dog Bob is at our, at my feet right now. And he's like upside down chewing on like a little bone. <laughs> he's uh, so cute. It's adorable. It's, it's so it's, cute. It's a, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be, uh, stay focused on doing the podcast and he's upside down with a little bone in his mouth <laughs> and it's, it's, it's too cute. Uh, so, uh, we're back into uh, podcasting land. We have so we have a ton of questions to get to. Uh, we're just going to do. I think uh, we kind of for a while there we were kind of doing a few questions per episode. But I think it's a little bit better, a little bit more focused by mm-hmm. doing just one question per episode. Uh, and it's also easier to, to figure out a title for it that's more specific to what you know what the question's about. Uh, so this one is from Ann. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and uh, read the question? Now he just got up and he's shaking around. <laughs> All right. So, um, so this question is from Anne and of course, like we always say, we change everybody's names and any kind of pertinent information just for privacy protection. So, um, we kind of renamed her Anne. So, um, from Anne. So since moving to the high desert, I am having to use very large doses of bio HRT or bioidentical hormone cream, and it's still not getting blood levels up to where my doctor would like. I tried switching to the patch and the level dropped to less than half. This is all giving me terrible symptoms and impacting my quality of life. I'm worried the high doses are harming me somehow. Can I just rub some DMSO on the skin prior to applying the cream, or will that help? Question mark. Yeah. So this uh, this actually comes up a lot. Uh, trying, to, you know, people worried about absorption. Uh, DMSO actually is, uh, you know, one of the rhythmic dosing protocols we use for men. We actually do add. Uh, the pharmacy, the compounding pharmacy we use actually does add DMSO to the cream. Uh, and they can, they could add that to any cream if they really wanted to. Uh, for those of you that don't know, D- DMSO is a, is a liquid compound um, that helps to pull things. Uh, you know, it's a sulfur containing compound. It helps to pull things across the skin barrier, uh, which can be good and bad depending on what you have on your skin, right? If you're around a lot of toxins and things, a lot of chemicals, you don't want to be around DMSO and those, and those chemicals. But in order to get things to go across the skin barrier and increase absorption, you know, it can be very useful for something like that. Yeah. They've used it in, um, like um, some exercise or physical therapy, uh, sports massage. Uh, I think they even use it in horse racing with horses for mis- horse massage. So it's not, um, you know, it's not 
toxic, but it is a compound. But we have used DMSO often with men, um, putting it, like Dr. Mackey mentioned, in the testosterone, just because men tend to have a little bit thicker skin than females. And what I found... Um, and more hair. And more hair. But what, what I did find, which was really interesting working in the in the high desert, was the men, um, you know, because we just, um, we live in Washington now, but we have an office in California, in Southern California, and then we had worked in, in um, you know, in the, in the high desert for ages, is I did find that men did there definitely needed the DMSO in their testosterone to be a, absorb it to cross that skin membrane. So we did do that. And then I did, I, you know, honestly, I don't have a whole lot of women um, having the compounding pharmacy put the DMSO in their, in their hormone cream. I have a couple of women I have, but really it's out of everybody. I could probably count them on my hands. So, um, but I would say for Anne or anybody thinking about this, you wouldn't want to necessarily go buy some DMSO, you know, online or something and then put that on and then put your cream on. You really would want to have the compounding pharmacy mix that together just because of the, you know, the titration and the doses there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now granted this, this kind of an issue comes up a lot. She's saying very high doses, but she doesn't say what the very high doses are. Uh, and when we're talking about a question like this, She's using bioidentical uh, cream, assuming bias. She doesn't exactly say what that is, um, but we're having to, you know, assume that it's a very high dose, um, but according to who, right? Uh, according to her, according to her doctor, you know, uh, we talked just a few episodes ago about the Vivel patch. Uh, you know, we're not really big fans of the patch. And if she was on the patch for a while, going back to bioidentical hormones, a, 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 a transdermal cream, uh, she's going to need a lot higher of a dose. The patch isn't going to really you know, work that well. Well, in her question, she says she added the patch, she switched to the patch, and the levels dropped being on the patch. So, um, it pro you know, the thing with them, with, I would say if we're just talking about the patch and testing is um, for any kind of, you know, the, the Vivelle patch and estradiol patch you put on twice a week. So let's say I put on a patch this morning, and then I go get tested this afternoon, of course, it's going to be very high. But let's say I put a patch on this morning, and I, I wait a couple of days, maybe the day before I'm supposed to put on my next patch and then test then it's going to be a lot lower because it's you have to change them twice a week. So it's going to there's going to be some variability throughout the week. The idea behind the patch is to release out this level dose of estradiol. But I find all the time, as soon as you slap that patch on the levels go up, and as it wears off and goes down, and it's time to change a new one, the levels are low. So I would say with, it really might even come down to a testing issue. Same with her cream. Is she testing, you know, right after she puts on the cream or, or 24 hours after she put on the cream? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, certainly, um, uh, trying to get, you know, granted we're trying to get, uh, a menopausal woman that's using uh, transdermal cream to a certain blood level as well, but the symptoms tend to dictate more than the blood level. If you're trying to chase, like you said, there are a lot of variables when it comes to lab testing. Lab testing is good, whether you're doing saliva or blood or whatever, which, which is also, we don't know what kind of testing she's doing. If she's doing saliva, or uh, urine, you know, mm -hmm. urine, uh, you know, it could be all over the place. Uh, and you're right at that point, it does come down to timing. When is she applying the patch to, when is she having the test done? Uh, so or the cream. And then when is she having the test done? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so there's a few, and maybe in some ways, this maybe isn't even a good question to even do because there's a bunch of uh, information that we don't have. So we're kind of speculating, but it caught my attention because this is high desert. So Vegas is the high desert. Utah is a high desert. Arizona is part of that's the high desert. Uh, you know, I think New Mexico, I think there's a lot of sections of the Southwest that are considered to be high desert, uh, which, uh, what, what does that mean? That means for people that are not aware of it, that means 
really hot temperatures in the summer, very low humidity, uh, you know, that can really throw off a woman's, you know, reg, uh, thermal regula- regulatory centers and make it, you know, kind of compound the, the uh, hot flashes and night sweats that go along with menopause anyways. Yeah. And I think another reason why we like this question was it was talking about testing. So every doctor, you know, this is like a craft. This is like an art. It's a dance. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, doctors that prescribe bioidentical hormone replacement creams, therapies, whatnot. Everybody has a little bit different technique on how they do that. But really, I do think with testing, you know, it is good to test. We always test hormones. A lot of doctors don't even test the hormones. They just go by the symptoms. So of course, the symptoms are super important, but pairing that with the blood testing or some kind of objective data, I do think is important. Most doctors, I would say, I would, I just want to speculate here, but I would think that she's probably doing a blood test. So if you think about with the creams, the hormone creams, they're especially the bias, which has the estradiol and the estriol in it is so amazing. They're so great. They're bioidentical. They're very gentle, but they don't really have a very long half-life. So if let's say Anne, you know, put on her hormone cream at night before she went to bed, because a lot of times we have people put on their biased cream, their um, hormone cream twice a day. So she put it on at night and then she goes to the lab 12 hours later in the morning, but she doesn't apply her cream. Then of course it's going to be low. But let's say she got up in the morning, slapped on her cream, and then ran right down to the lab, and they didn't have to make her wait, you know, like they always do, to get a blood draw. And so she had her blood drawn 30 minutes after she applied her hormone cream, then yes, it would be falsely elevated. So really, it's trying to find a, what levels you want to see and when you want somebody, somebody to test after they've applied their cream. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the timing of when you apply your hormones to when you have your testing done, you want to create some sense of consistency there so you can see the changes before and after. But like you said, too, if it's been 24 hours since you've put on your cream or, or even, even 12, or even twelve, the numbers are going to be low, right? So you're going to see an artificially... Now, granted, we are trying to increase... So in menopause, for a menstruating female, the hormone levels are kind of psych, you know, literally they're cycling, they're oscillating over the course of the month. They peak on, estrogen peaks on day 12, progesterone peaks on day 21. For menstruating females. For menstruating females. And then that, that, those peaks kind of just flatline. So the levels for a menopausal woman are just basically, uh, you know, the, the bar is really low. And all we're really trying to do in this context uh, of what she's doing, static dosing is just raising that flatline. You know, so you, Let's say a men up. What what would you say is a really common on a blood test? A really common estradiol level. Are you saying what you would like it? What we would like to see it? No, no. Or? Be, let's say let's say hypothetically before a woman's on hormones. You mean as a menstruating female? No, no. Men, in menopause. So menstruating female, or so a non-menstruating female, a menopausal female. So she's probably you know fifty-one years of age or plus. You know, give or take. She her ovaries have ceased to function. So of course they're producing very low amounts of estrogen and progesterone. So Technically, I, I don't like to do total estrogens when I'm checking the blood work. I like to do the estradiol. But if in a menopausal female, ovaries are not working, you know, they've, they've retired. They've decided to leave the scene, rightly so, is they, it would be less than 32. It'd be yeah. almost non-existent yeah, in the yeah, bloodstream. Yeah. That, they're right. That's, that's what I wanted you to say. So most labs are going to say less than 30. Some labs will quantify it. It'll say 16. It'll say 9. It'll say 5. It'll, you know, anything less than 30 is technically a menopausal number. Uh, so... The next question I have for you that when you uh, prescribe hormones for a woman, what dose or what blood level are you trying to get their hormones to once they're on a prescription? Now that's a little bit of that art and that dance. Every female is a little bit different. Some women just need a little bit of estrogen to kind of help them feel better and some need a whole lot. But if what we like to do is we like to have the females put on their hormone cream in the morning 
and then have their blood work done four to six hours later. So that means every time we test their blood, we can see we have a very consistent timing and when they have applied their dose to when they've had their blood drawn, then over time we can see where their levels are at. So, but ideally, let's say she put on her hormone cream in the morning, went down, got her blood work done about five, five and a half hours later. And like I said, anywhere between four to six hours later, I like to see it right around 80. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I was going to say about 75 would be a 40 to 80. Sometimes people are okay on 40, 60, but really 80, I would say more consistently. Yeah. And I would have said 75. So we're very close in that range. Honestly, that's very, that's not very common, right? It's a little challenging to get it to even that high. Like she says here in the question that her doctor isn't, you know, is trying to get a certain blood level, which we try to do that as well. But as long as, and she's having symptoms, so her blood level has dropped. She's having a lot of symptoms. So that means there needs to be some kind of a dose adjustment of some sort, which is what I think she's getting at. But at the same time, she's worried about taking more hormone, that that's going to negatively affect her some way. Uh, so what, what are your, what are your thoughts about that is, uh, granted, we don't know what, how much she's taking. So what is your thought about, you know, is it dangerous for her to take more? I wouldn't say it's dangerous if she's not absorbing it. So let's say she's, you know, putting it on and then going to the lab to get her blood drawn four to six hours later and it's still really low, then you raise up the dose so she isn't absorbing it. Then maybe consider talking to the pharmacy about not just DMSO, there's other different bases and hypo, I mean, they can do anything. There's so many different bases to change the cream to. And then we always tell our patients to put that hormone cream on their inner thigh because it's a very, for a female, it's a very soft um usually a fatty area there because hormones are all fat soluble. So we like to put it on something that's got a little fat there, but it's a very soft skin that it can actually, you know, penetrate a lot easier than if somebody were, you know, putting it somewhere else. Yeah, right. And we have them do it, like you said earlier, the half-life of estrogen is relatively pretty short. So we always have them do it twice a day. It doesn't, she doesn't allude to the fact whether she's doing it twice a day or not. She's doing the patch. uh, She's getting a nice bolus of hormone right away. And then, like you said, you kind of tapers off. But with transdermal cream, we always want them to do it twice a day, especially if they're having lots of symptoms. It's almost essential what they put on in the morning, let's say six, seven o'clock after their shower, you know, ready for work or whatever it is, they put their cream on then. And then in the evening, as they're getting ready for bed, they're going to apply their cream again. Uh, so whatever they apply in the morning gets them through the day. Whatever they apply at night gets uh, in the evening gets them through the night. Uh, and of course, we're always a little bit more you know, a little bit more uh, prone to having, making sure that they're sleeping well, right? Because that's really important. So we might have them uh, even apply more cream at night so their sleep stays undisrupted uh, because that, you know, that's a really big issue in menopause. Women don't, you know, I'm probably preaching to the choir for the women that are in menopause here. Uh, You know, they all know that sleeping is kind of a, you know, a precious commodity, uh, but that's kind of the point. Uh, and that's why uh, consistently they need to be taking it twice a day. If they take it every 24 hours, those blood levels are going to go up once they put it on, like you said. And then by the time the next day comes around to reapply, their blood level is going to be pretty much bottomed out. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, so it's um, almost like this, you're starting over every 24 hours almost if you only do it once a day. Yeah. So I think uh, actually that's exactly as I would say, if, we were, if she was going to test is put it on at night and then sleep through the night, get up in the morning get ready, put on her cream, and then maybe go in around lunchtime and then have her blood drawn. And let's say it's still low. Those levels are low. Then that would warrant, along with her symptoms, to, hey, we got to raise up the dose or maybe change the ratio, which could be a whole new other other topic itself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, dangerous levels of dosing, you know, dangerous levels of hormones, I think she's a little bit 
uh, kind of looking at it a little bit of the wrong way. Now, granted, uh, we, you know, we use two different philosophies when it comes to dosing hormones. We use static dosing, which is what she's doing, uh, which is what the majority of women do, static dosing. And there's also, also rhythmic dosing. A lot of that comes into play. Uh, the dose comes into play when a woman still has her uterus. I'm assuming that uh, Anne probably still does, just making an assumption that she has her uterus. We don't really know for sure. Uh, that there's a certain point, if you keep giving a woman estrogen, she's going to have some bleeding trouble, you know, more than likely. You know, that's also why we always recommend the progesterone. The progesterone is there to inhibit the, the, any bleeding. So you can, you know, you don't have any, you know, unpredictability that way. Uh, but there's certain threshold. And like you said, just a few minutes ago, that every woman, that threshold's a little different. What's a lot for one might not be a lot for another woman. Uh, and that's why you can't, you know, you can't really speculate. I had another question came in a few days ago and was uh, wanting to know if three milligrams was like the right amount, uh, you know, for that particular woman. And it's hard for me to say without having any background information, you don't know if three milligrams is enough or maybe they need five, maybe they need seven, maybe they need 10. Uh, you know, it's tough to say until you kind of gradually tight some, titrate someone, a woman up, uh, the symptoms will kind of tell you where their dose kind of needs to be. I agree. So I wouldn't, I would say for Anne or anybody else out there with similar questions is, you know, don't be worried about the level of the dosing. You know, it's more about the symptoms and then also looking at the blood work. Cause if you're taking a certain dose and it's not showing up in your bloodstream, then you need to raise the dose. Now, just to kind of really take a tangent out there, it could also be the pharmacy that she's using might be using a different filler that doesn't absorb as well as maybe the pharmacy she was using elsewhere. So it wouldn't even have to be about humidity and heat and location. It's really about, you know, what pharmacy she's using. But if she's using the same pharmacy, because a lot of compounding pharmacies can send to a different multiple states that she might've just moved and kept the same pharmacy. And then that could just definitely be an environmental factor. So there are a couple of really interesting, um, you know, kind of thoughts about this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. She's trying to increase absorption, but you know, she's, you know, she's not really addressing, which I think is the issue is really um, not worrying so much about the blood levels, right? Because her symptoms tell us the blood level is not high enough. Uh, you know, so the blood levels are important. You know, the labs, we do labs all the time. We always want to track those numbers to see where things are and where they're heading uh, and potentially to avert any issues if they come up based on those blood levels. Uh, and a lot of times I just had one the other day, uh, she came back, her, her estradiol, she's, you know, she just turned 60, right? Her estradiol came back at 427. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Something's off with high. that. Yeah. You know, a little <laughs> off. It's her dose was, I think her at that time, her dose was five milligrams per gram of biased 80, 20. There's no way that five milligrams of bias is going to create 427 on an estradiol level. It's not possible. Okay. I mean, you just see a number like that, you know that it's um, that it's either an error or she applied her cream right before she went to the lab. So sometimes you look at the labs to see when what time they did it, what time the labs were collected. Like you said earlier, based on when they applied their cream, uh, sometimes women will rub it on their forearms or rub it in on their wrists, kind of like they're rubbing in perfume. That's automatically going to skew those numbers. So I just had her wait a week. Uh, she went back the following, whatever it was, Tuesday, whatever, and her level came back at like 58, okay, which is kind of like right in that, you know, that kind of stuff does happen quite a bit. So you can't, you know, you have to kind of take those lab numbers with a little bit of it uh, with a grain of salt and then look at the patient and then say, okay, what's going on here? And then the dosing can be adjusted accordingly based on those two things, the objective data and the patient. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, 
do you have anything else to add about this one? Like I said, it's uh, we're missing some information, but it's a it's at least for you and I, anyways, it's kind of a nice one to speculate mm-hmm. on because she's thinking of it in one way that it's an absorption issue, and I really don't think it has anything to do with absorption because you know we've had a lot of women on on cream, and their absorption is usually pretty darn good across the mm-hmm. board. Would would you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I I definitely wouldn't have her um, go buy DMSO and put that on with her cream just on her own. You know, you got to talk to the pharmacy and maybe have them put that in there or change the, you know, change the, the base that they're using. Yeah. More than likely it's a dosing issue. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid. Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to raise that dose, especially if you're having symptoms because your body will tell you, uh, you know, when it comes to hormones and believe me, I'm not a woman obviously, but you know, the body, the woman's body will tell you when you've had enough estrogen or if you have in some ways, if you have too much, mm-hmm. uh, it'll tell you one way or the other and hot flashes. You know, I'm assuming she's probably having some hot flashes and that is a, you know, a perfect, uh, predict, a uh, perfect indicator of not having enough estrogen. And I know you always say that estrogen is the perfect hormone uh you know it's the best hormone there is it's amazing yeah Mm -hmm. yeah right and that's what makes women women the more of it they have the better they feel uh and i think that's uh you know there's a little bit of a you know even the the tone of her email is a little bit more a fear-based tone where she's afraid of the estrogen as opposed to it being you know uh, it being an empowering hormone in some respects uh so uh anything else to add either about testing or dosing anything like that no, no, no. This was great. Thank you, Anne, for sending in your question. Thank you, everybody, for sending in your questions and listening. Okay. Uh, until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.